All right. So on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast, Coach Beck is back with us. Coach, it's always a pleasure to have you back on the podcast. And Coach, uh, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be on. Uh, yeah. Do some really good stuff here. I, You know, I listen pretty regularly. I'm not saying I catch every episode, probably 90% of them. So it's good stuff. And I, I really appreciate that. This is this is free therapy for me and free clinics for me. Like I don't have to pay people. I don't have to, you know what I mean? Like that's oh, kind, yeah. kind of how it started was just try to connect, like you know, get ideas out there to connect with people and like yourself. I mean, we text and talk, and I think it's a. No, it's just we had a uh, speaking of that, like Coach Jackson referenced here, Jason Jackson, who's now at Eastern Ohio as a head coach. We had them over for seven on seven anyways. He just took that's his first head job, I believe, at Eastern. He was a longtime assistant defense coordinator at Ravenswood. And but anyways, mm-hmm. um, he referenced a podcast that you had. Mm-hmm. Uh in the episode I was on on some things that we talked about and was asking questions or mm-hmm. kind of referenced, hey, you know, I was listening to that podcast and kind of some things clicked for him on what he wanted to do. Hmm. So, um, he, like, what's the old saying? If it just reaches one or two, it's worth it sometimes, or it helps one or two people. Um, so it is. That's good stuff. Yeah. I, one of the things that you, you recently opened my eyes on is conditioning. So, for years, we haven't really conditioned much in the practice. Uh, I got that from a coach. His name's Jeff Heron. He's down in Georgia. You know, they, he's won a bunch. But it was interesting. For me, talking to you and like how y'all do it, and like there's more than one way to skin a cat. And yes. I think that for us here in West Virginia, it's a little different story than, I mean, he was at a place called Camden County and they had won like three state championships. They had like 110 players. Like that's a different, you know what I mean? It is, especially like I think conditioning, you always ask what's your roster look like? Yeah. Um, you know, for us, if we have 35 guys, six or seven guys are playing both ways. So our guys are trying to get through about 120 snaps a game. Right. Right. Um, some of them, if they're rotating, not as much, well, you know, and all that stuff. So I think you got to consider all that when you're you're going through it <laughs> or at least try to. Yeah, definitely. I mean, how many guys do you dress? How many, how many guys on your. On your team most years, like how many total players do you all have? High 30s is good for us. High 30s has kind of been in mark lately. Um, in 2008, we had a 50, over 50, mm-hmm. which is the most we've ever had. Um, 2014 was the last time we were over 40 until last year. We had exactly 40, I believe. So we've been mid-30s. We've been low 30s even a few years uh, before I'd taken over. Um, so that's kind of, for us, anything 35 or above, we're pretty happy with. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a coach years ago uh, when I was at Riverside. We'd have, you know, the news comes out first week of practice or whatever. And, and you, their their first question is always, how many guys do you have out? <laughs> and I'm just like, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at some point. Now, if we have 20 people, that's a problem, right? But, yeah. Like, <laughs> we'd have, we had almost 80 kids my first year at Riverside. We didn't win a game. Like, we weren't very good, obviously. <laughs> and I had a coach tell me, you know, Zach, it's not war. If you have 80, you don't get to play with 20. If I have 50, I don't get to play with 10. We both play with 11. 
The only thing I worry about is 30 is kind of the magic number in our program. Anything below 30 makes it really, really tough to do JV. Yeah. Now we've had, and don't get me wrong, I'll do JV if we just have 13 guys dressed in JV. Um, but 30, and once you get below that, man, it, it's just almost impossible to do it. Yeah, it's really hard. So here in West Virginia, we're talking about West Virginia. We're thinking about, you know, changing up the classifications, maybe changing the playoffs. You were texting me about, Coach, I don't know, how, how do you get these stats? Like, how many teams have made the playoffs? How many teams have been in the playoffs? Like, where do you find all that information at? I, I just kind of did. I'm an accountant by trade. Data is always very – I mean, if you look at it, actually, like, broadly, we've talked before about offensively, I track plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, I mean, I just – Data, very, I mean, I think I've even sent you like uh, one year I did a study on starting field position and how many times we scored. How many. So data is always something that's interested me. So mm-hmm. if um, I'm a believer, I'm a numbers guy. So if we're making decisions, I at least want data to play a role in that. As, yeah, absolutely, as it should. But um, for the football, I you know, just researched it myself, basically, and – it doesn't take much. There's so many sites out there that now that you can kind of check off. And uh, I wasn't trying to be 100% exact. I'm 99% confident in them. You may, may be off 1% or 2% on some of these numbers. But um, just me trying to understand what our leaders are deciding and why. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the four class, the most popular reasoning I've heard, and you can tell me different. I mean, I don't know. Do you go to the board controls meeting with your new role? No, I I don't. That would be just our head principal in our AD. Gotcha. Um, and that's the same thing here. So they go, and I feel like they hear one side of every story when they go to these things. But anyways, um, when they came back and told me about four class, 32 flex days, and some of these other things that I'm against, uh, I was like, why are we doing this? And even my principal said, well, to increase kids that make state tournament. And that's what you read from, like, the, uh, Bernie Dolan, he's heading SSAC up. We're trying to get new teams to Charleston was ba- one of basketball's things, right? Um, and I thought, man, at first I looked at Class A, like the parity that we have, mm-hmm. only just my little silo. But then I looked overall. Mm-hmm. So if the argument is getting more teams in that state playoff or tournament, mm-hmm. I don't understand what issue we have in football. And that's a siloed view. I know that doesn't consider other sports. And I do think other sports, things need to be done. Uh, and I'll get to that, you know, as we talk through this. But to your point, like in football, we had 112 schools in West Virginia play football or field 11-man football team last year. I went back 2012 and forward and said, okay, what's, what's the data look like? And – 89% of the schools in our state have made the playoffs in that 11-year span. Right. Um, 72% of them have won a playoff game. Mm-hmm. And 25% of our schools have made a state championship. That's, that's, a, that's a big number to make a state championship, a quarter of all schools. Huge. Huge. Um, so when I look at that, if I told somebody, hey, in the last 11 years, one being COVID, and the way I did COVID was I recognized those champions. If they, I didn't recognize forfeits of wins. So those seventy-two percent of playoff games won. The game was actually played, and the team won. Okay. Okay. But if they were in the COVID playoffs, I counted that as making it. Um, but 
when you go back and look, it's just like if I said 90, almost 90% of your teams have made the playoffs last 11 years, 72% have won a playoff game, 25% have made it the championship. Oh, by the way, in 2022, the year we just got done with, right, two of our three state champions, Independence and Huntington, mm-hmm. they've never won a championship before. It's their first championship in school history right. for football. Right. To me, like, okay, that sounds like parody one, and it sounds like a lot of teams make the state tournament. Mm-hmm. Then if you look at the 112 teams, and this is where basketball and football, you know, are different. Like, I mean, for those that don't know, or not from West Virginia, we have 16 teams and three classes that make the playoffs, mm-hmm. which is 48 teams. 48 of the 112 make the playoffs. So 43% essentially of the state makes the playoffs every year. Mm-hmm. Now, if you compare that to our basketball, and I'm not sure, I assume it's the same way in other states. So basketball only takes five to field a team. We had 121 schools, I believe, play basketball last year. And even with the extended playoff, which is four class of eight, they used to be three class of eight, 26% of all basketball playing schools make Charleston as of right now. Mm. So still 17% below what football's at, right? Right. Um, so that's what I'm trying. When you're looking at it, you're like, I'm trying to balance. He's like, basketball, I can almost understand. And before they expanded basketball, um, I think it was something in the neighborhood of 19 or 20 percent of the schools made the playoffs. Mm. So increasing that. Um trying to get more folks in there to me. Okay. That kind of makes sense. We want more teams in mm-hmm. um, with it. Now, if you look at the other side of it, not only expanding the four classes, but um, I mean, I have issues with the formula itself. Uh, yeah, the four- about that. I definitely have an issue. With that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. So I think the formula, the way it's explained and coach, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but is meant to try to help rural schools, much like what your coach at, right. Uh, versus urban, which is what uh, some folks consider Williamstown to be kind of an urban school because we're um, like, nobody's driving more than 15, 20 minutes to get school at Williamstown. Typically. Yeah. Everybody's within 15, 20 miles. If you go to a school like you're at or a Calhoun County, for example, some of these other county-based rural schools, right? Kids be could be driving an hour plus to get to school, um, potentially, right? Right. So the, the, they have a form in West Virginia that they proposed, which takes into account your enrollment, mm-hmm. location to a city, and economic factors. Mm-hmm. And they jumble this all up in a formula and give you a rating, essentially, mm-hmm. to try to resolve all that. Um, but but does it work? Does it resolve that? I know for us, and this is just our situation here at Buckhannon, you know, we're quad A in basketball, and, you know, we're, we're in with Morgantown University, William Park, uh, Bridgeport. We, like us, Preston and Hampshire, kind of are in the same boat. Like, we are a we're unique in the state. Like we're the single county school, but we're in the highest classification. You know, Hampshire's a triple A in basketball, but they're, you know, triple A in football at the moment. We don't have four classes of football, obviously, at the moment. But like we just aren't the same as Morgantown University, William Park. Like, I mean, Buckhannon's a beautiful place, but the city of Buckhannon only has five thousand people. And our county has, I think somebody told me we have like twenty thousand people in Upshur County. So that means fifteen thousand 
people in our county don't even live in Buckingham. And that's, if you've ever been in Upshur County, it's super rural. I mean, you're looking at, it's a beautiful country, but it's not like there's that many people. Um, you know, it's the, we don't have a city like Morgantown, we don't have a city like Wheeling uh, or Bridgeport or Clarksburg. Like we're just kind of a, our own deal, you know, and I think we get, but they change the form of percentages. Like if it changed, like, I think somebody was telling me they're thinking about changing the percentage or moving the percentage down for like, if you're close to the county seat, because I mean, Buckhannon's a town and it's nice, but it's not very big. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So, all town. I think they are eliminating the county seat deal. And I agree that's not a accurate measure. No, um, not at all. And it, like, even in the four class system you're in, you guys are 4A. Mm-hmm. I see Burke County and AA. And I'm like, man, that that's does tough. that make sense? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, we. The one thing out the playoff system, and we we text about this. That I always have I've always had an issue with because Florida does it right. Florida gives points. So what Florida does is, let's say, for the 2023 football season, I go and schedule hypothetically 10 teams that went 10 and 0. Obviously, that can't happen, right? But what they do is they give you half a point for each victory the team had the year before. So that's not like a rolling total during the year. Like you get it starting the year. Okay. So you know, like, hey, I'm going to have this many points already because that's that was their record last year. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm bitter some because in 2016, 2017 at Riverside, we were definitely a top 16 team in AAA. Like, hands down, no questions asked. Asked all the coaches that we had played against that year and coaches that made the playoffs. But our schedule was brutal. I mean, we in 2016, we played three of the four teams that ended up in the Final Four during the regular season. Like, but then you get teams that get in and their schedule is terrible. Like you're looking at their schedule, you're like, and that is like cupcake soft. Um, but again, the, the the current the current formula route does not reward you for playing in a tough schedule. It doesn't. It gives you no benefit for hey, we like we played Spring Valley and lost. But let's mm-hmm. say say you play, for lack of a better term, like somebody's really bad and yeah. you beat them, they're going to get points and you get nothing. But like that just doesn't make any sense to me. You know what I mean? Oh, I agree. I think the I love the playoff structure we have. I think we're the one sport that uh, does the playoffs right, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. Yeah, I like the top sixteen rating. The rating strength of schedule should be accounted for in some manner. And yeah. to me, like we were just texting back and forth, just a couple quick ideas. You can't tell me if you got ten or twelve football coaches together. They couldn't get a common sense approach to addressing that pretty quickly, fairly quickly, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even leveraging existing, like, things we have, those bonus points we talk about, so we only get those bonus points if we beat the team. Well, right. what if we don't beat them? Maybe we still get a percentage of those bonus points or, you know, whatever it is. Something to say, hey – you lost, but this team went nine and one, so you're going to get a couple points because you played a team that's, you know, obviously really strong. Mm-hmm. And that's they the strength of schedule things in a couple states. I know I have some friends in Georgia that, I mean, not, not Georgia, Michigan, and they have a strength of schedule component. Like there are teams I know in Florida that basically know they're getting in the playoffs before the season starts because their <laughs> schedule is so tough. Like their schedule, they have chosen to schedule that. But, you know, I think in this state, what you get a lot of with the current formula. Now, I've heard it's going to change. It's going to be a strength of schedule component, which would be great. But 
people have a hard time finding games. Like for you guys, you're a defending state champion. People are going to duck you like you got the plague because if they play you and lose, they get no points. Yeah, and, and we scheduling's been a nightmare for us the last ten years. Now the LKC made changes this year, right. but yeah, I mean, because you get nothing. Like, okay, like I'm gonna go play you. Let's say I play you and I lose by two scores, and for me, that's like a for my team. That's a that's a that's like a win for us because we played the best we could, but we still get no points. <laughs> like, why would I, I'm gonna try to find somebody else because it's not gonna help me get in the playoffs. You know? Yeah, it's. It doesn't make sense. I would agree with you there. And you got folks out there trying to schedule to get in the playoffs, and it just. Um, well, I mean, look at look at the couple of years ago. I, I won't name the school. People probably, probably figured out there was a school a couple of years ago that got out of the MSAC, and then won ten games and got in the playoffs. That school was not any better than teams that went three and seven or four and six in the MSAC, but they scheduled their way into the playoffs and we does that really what we want like do we really want that you know what i mean uh i would agree with you so i mean i, th- I think at the end of the day our state needs to address the strength of scheduling uh for sure um and some I, i'd be more on board for that mm-hmm. than the changes we're trying to make now because i mean i just don't i don't understand the issue we're trying to solve and you know how it's solving it i, I don't think it does um in my opinion but I may be in the minority there. No, I mean, I'm all for change, obviously. I'm all, if it makes it better. Um, but I'm looking at, I mean, we have 100, what do you say, Coach, 112 schools that play football? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and. And that number's not going up, folks. I mean, we live in a state, no. the declines, popu- populations declining. You see in consolidations, you're seeing programs fold up like Parksburg Catholic that had a football team forever here in the Parks area. I mean, is doing JV only again this year. Right. So. I mean, I'm looking at a state like I'm on Wikipedia looking at Georgia because they used to coach down there. They have 457 member schools and they have seven classes. So, I mean, we have 112 and we're going to four like that, you know, that math kind of like. It doesn't make sense. If you look across the river in Ohio, I think they average 80 to 100 per division. Mm. Like, if you win a state championship there, you're beating 80 or 100 other uh, schools. I forget what it is, um, to be exact on it. But I remember talking to those guys. And it's – I mean, that's the thing. Are we going to water this thing down? Um, And I don't know. I don't understand. And then, so on that formula too, like you look at it and say, hey, this doesn't look right or that doesn't look right. One of the things they had proposed at the Board of Controls was um, changing, like one of them was based on how close you are to a city. Mm. And there was a proposal out there, I think it just fell short, to change that from 10,000 to 8,000. Mm. And the reason they did that was Bluefield. Folks think folks think Bluefield oh. should be AAA, not AA. So, oh. I mean, I have a problem with the formula on a couple fronts when we can subjectively change stuff because we think something doesn't look right. Like, mm-hmm. to me, that doesn't sound right. Well, well why do we want to go 8,000 at Bluefield? So mm-hmm. we're making this change just to shove one school up. I mean, who? that doesn't make sense. And then the other problem I have with it is I just wish it was better. I think there's other ways to measure this thing. And this is going to come out really bad what i'm about to say as i'm just thinking it through do it <laughs> so so are we saying as a state and you could tell me coach you're not very smart or whatever here but if 
you grow up in a school that's poor and in the country that you can't compete. Mm. Because if you look at, I mm. mean, subliminally we're saying economically, if your poverty rate so high, your median income so low, if you are not close to a city, then we don't expect you to compete with these city folks that make a lot of money. I, I don't think that's the right message. Mm. Um, mm. And I understand trying to get a level playing field, but also like no matter what's the change, student athletes should be at the first and foremost of all the decisions, right? And five, you know, some of the decisions we're making, I feel like maybe are in a vacuum in terms of the five percent of our athletes are going to play college sports. We're making decisions that are going to benefit them. But the kids we coach, a hundred percent of them, a hundred percent, have to go to the real world and compete. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm in a fortunate, I've had a little bit of success in my personal career that you know you're hiring folks. And if I have one job open, fifty applicants. I don't look if you're from the country or from the city. I, I'm trying to find the best person, right? And if there's five really good people, mm-hmm. my boss, to, I, my boss, that say, you know what? You can hire all five. He still says to me, "You right. got to pick one. Who's the one you're going to hire?" Right. Um. So I just worry about the society we're in. You know, you heard folks say everybody gets a trophy, participates in trophy, things like that. But we're in. We are, I think, in a society if. You have to sit the bench. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. Mm-hmm. And it's not your problem. It's the coach's fault. Mm-hmm. And if we lose a game or we're not competing, the system is rigged automatically. Mm-hmm. We always are giving our kids excuses instead of making them be accountable. And one example for us, I remember Coach Smith taught me this a while ago. Like uh, for us, we, um, Built a program, got to a point where we're losing the Central every year in a single-A championship, it seemed like. And there's a lot of rhetoric out there that they recruit, right? They don't have to play by the same rules. And for a while, I felt like we kind of fed into that. Eventually, like, we said, Let, I don't care about all that. The only answer we know is hard work. Let's keep working and catch those guys and try to get over that mountain. And in 08, when that happens, man, what a feeling when you're able to do it. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. And our what we try to teach our guys the only answer is control what you can control and work hard. Mm-hmm. Now, if the system is so slanted that it's completely uneven, I agree we want to do things, but mm-hmm. do we really want to keep giving folks easy what I call easy outs as opposed to making them take some accountability and some ownership? And you know, at Williamstown, you know, we shouldn't just measure success based on state championships, uh, depending on the program you're at. And I think I've told you this before, like when Coach Butcher came, we turned the program around 1999. We went five and five mm-hmm. in 1999. Mm-hmm. I, we go in the locker room, Coach. We have cake and balloons going five and five. I I, I get that. That's probably it, last year. <laughs> yeah. And and that's fine. That's great. To me, that's there's nothing wrong with that. If that's if that's the best you can do to your ability and you've done it and man, you've accomplished something, what's wrong with celebrating that? That does that make because you didn't win a state championship, does that lessen the accomplishment? No. Now now our programs evolved to a point where I mean, maybe that's the goal now, but it wasn't then. Five and five was like a reason to to, to celebrate and um feel good about it. So you know, I, I worry about that uh, with with these decisions, um, and I worry about the formula and if it solves what we're trying to solve. 
Um, everybody keeps saying, look at basketball, look at basketball. I don't know the success story we're selling in basketball. Other than I, I think some going from 20% of the teams making the playoffs, 26% of the teams. And I think you've seen new champions in Class A with Cameron on the girls and James Monroe on the boys. Here's another little tidbit for you, by the way. <laughs> so basketball, one of the issues the foreman was trying to solve when you say urban versus rural, I think at the heart of it, and this is just Chris Beck's opinion, was private schools. They're trying to resolve that. And the reason they're trying to resolve that, so if you look from 2002 through 2019, an 18-year stretch in Class A basketball, um, between boys and girls, there's 36 state champions, right? 31 of them were private schools. Georgia ran into that issue, and that's why the Class A public, Class A private. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. And in West Virginia, we decided we couldn't separate them. So we come up with this formula, is what I feel like. Um, and when someone tells me, hey, 80% of the time, private schools are running state champions, I mean, 80, over 80% of the time. I think 80% of the participants in the state championship game, by the way, were private schools to begin with. But anyways, so that to me was like an easily understood problem. In basketball, we have an issue with how many teams are making it to state because only 24 did, which was less than 20% of the teams playing. And we have a private school issue, so they put the four-class system in place with this formula. I don't think that translates across the board at all, um, like completely. I mean, I, I, I just don't understand it to, that we have a problem as bad as basketball potentially had. From, I remember back then when they, the you know, four-class for basketball was being rolled out, I remember reading things, and basically it was the wheeling central Catholic formula. Like, how do we get them out of single A in basketball? Uh, because they're winning everything. They're winning basketball state championships. You know, they're winning potentially how to get them out of football, right? How to get them out of football class A when they were rolling. Um, because that was the, like you said, that was the rub. It was the, hey, why are the Catholic schools winning everything <laughs> in basketball, you know, in class A? And that was the, uh, I feel like that was the reason not the only reason why, but, you know, and then trying to get more revenue, too. I understand that, too. I mean, you're trying to bring in more revenue. You're trying to have more revenue stream, more schools make it. But football is a different deal, especially with our rating system. Because right. we're, now we're going to have to figure out, it. you know, for you, you're playing teams in Ohio. People play teams in Pennsylvania, teams in Kentucky. We're going to have to, like, rate all those schools. We can't just go look at their enrollment, right? We're going to have to figure out the formula for the schools out of state. And, you know, I... I do still think enrollment is probably the best way to do it. Just, hey, here's the, the – that's how most people do it. Like, here's your enrollment, um, and that's just the way it is. And then go compete. Like, for us, we scrimmage. You know, we'll do our grid, and then we're going to Hurricane to, to scrimmage because, you know, we have to get ready. Those are the kind of teams we have to get ready to play to get in the, you know, in the playoffs or get in the playoffs. Um, you have to just kind of step up and, and compete. And that's – to me, that's it. You, you know, get your guys ready to compete and develop them and – do all that kind of stuff and that's that's the rub like it's just let's just let's do what we can do and make them better and yeah yeah i agree i just it's it'd be crazy what they decide wednesday and then uh i know they have these flex days which i'm completely against too but mm. that's just i mean 32 flex days per sport no three-week period um I mean for us as football coaches and i'm sure basketball baseball volleyball you know soccer 
it's going to be harder to coordinate because there's not a set time to where like, hey, we can co-practice or 707 or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and I think it's going to kill multi-sport guys. It's going to make it tougher on families to plan. Mm. Um, because most coaches are going to stack those days in front of their season, right? Yeah, not me, but yeah. I, I mean, yeah. like, let's say yeah. the basketball guy says, I have your basketball coach, I have 32 flex days. I'm going to stack 15 of them right before the year. Mm. Well, if you have kids playing football that are basketball guys, they're going to miss those three weeks. That's true. That's and then if, then, then if you make the playoffs, guess what? They're going to meet, miss the first week or two of official practice. So there are five weeks either perceived or not behind. Is that going to impact our playing in another sport? Now, the coach can say, no, I want you to do other sports, but I'd, I'd be interested to see how that plays out. Mm. Like, you're going to give ki- – kids are going to have perceived choices, and maybe they're not perceived. Maybe they're real, because I have a hard time imagining if you're a football guy, you miss five weeks of basketball, you walk in day one of basketball, and you're not behind all those guys that have been there five weeks. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's why I'm, I'm glad I'm not in that seat. <laughs> I just <laughs> listen to you know what I mean, like yeah, okay, we have, I have an opinion, this that and the other, um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, we think we're, we're trying to go the right way. It's just trying to figure out, you know, there's people that I know, like Coach Mays and Coach Seals are on the the rules, not the rules committee, wherever the committee is for football, and you know, trying to you know, just trust the guys that are in charge, you know. Yeah. Oh, there, there's two two smart guys with yeah. some of that. St- I mean, um, but I also worry Coach Mays, Coach Seals may be in a different seat than what uh, I am in Class A West Virginia on what um, yeah they're dealing with as opposed to what I'm dealing. I mean, that's true. But yeah. anyways, yeah. Man. Well, Coach, thank you for all your your insight this morning. You, you're crushing it, man. I love how just like detailed you are and you're thinking through things. And- like you give me ideas and I just, I, I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. And, uh, yeah, I think I said in the Metro article, like as long as student athletes are first, I, mm-hmm. I'm all on board, but, mm-hmm. uh, from a football perspective, I just have a hard time with some of these changes on what's the why, mm-hmm. what, why, what problem are we trying to solve? Does this solve it? And does it best situate our set, situate our kids for success beyond football? Mm-hmm. And, um, Mm-hmm. Recently, with the portal and some of these other things, I'm not sure so sure it does. But, mm-hmm. well, Coach, I appreciate you, and man, I, I always, I always love your wisdom, and I'm sure we'll be texting and talking more about whatever, whatever comes down the pike here. That right, sounds good, Coach. Have a good one.